We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello and welcome to Speaking of Fire. Donna won't be here today, I'm sorry to say. She's out doing something good, I imagine. Uh, This is your host, Mike Slatman. I am a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators and honored to be so. I'm also the president of Fire Consulting International, which has fireanalysis.net and and CFIS, which is Consolidated Fire Investigation Services with over 200 investigators throughout the United States. we are lucky to have a, a good attorney with a, and with a sense of humor, too. How about that? Uh, Anthony Grossarand, who is a, a – we're going to call him Tony because he's a nice guy um, – who specializes in general civil litigation and uh, has emphasis in contract and commercial litigation. And he has a significant experience in um, litigating like condemnation cases, so uh, eminent domain, as, as people will know. And, but he's also a member of the Missouri and Kansas bars and has been at bar and has been for over the last 25 years. Now, that's the Bar Association, not bars necessarily, <laughs> what we're talking about. And then he's gained expertise in litigating ma- matters in both state and federal courts and, um, and has, uh, has also uh, has appellate experience at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, as a law student at UMKC, everybody likes UMKC, uh, he uh, was a member of the UMKC Law Review and was a student editor-in-chief in of the Urban Lawyer Thank you for being here, Tony. Thank you, Mike. It's a I, pleasure. I appreciate you coming up. And, and we're here in the studio, which is great because we're not have to call in on the phone so you can we can make faces at each other when we say something. Well, you'll probably be making it at me because I'll say something ignorant. Um, anyway, sir, we met uh, over an expert witness testimony course, didn't we? That was a pleasure, too. I really had a good time with that. That was a nice day. Well, yeah, thank you, sir. Well, see, Tony is, is one of those attorneys that will volunteer their time to help other people. And we were doing an expert witness testimony course teaching fire investigators how to, ex, uh, and particularly public service people, on how to testify in court. And, um, and he helped us, uh, well, shape their, shape their testimonies in that, in that not making terrible mistakes, didn't we? Well, your materials... Set them up, though, it was a very good exercise for them because what they learned with your materials is without having to learn the hard lesson in real life, what could be completely destructive to their giving an expert opinion in a case. Um, Most of the times, unfortunately, I can say from personal experience, the best lessons that I've learned have been the mistakes. <laughs> uh, you know, those stick out in your mind. And as much as they prepared us in law school, I still made mistakes as a young lawyer. Uh, you know, and that was bad because that's bad for the lawyer and for the client. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, there used to be an old saw that said, you know, for the first five years, a lawyer practices on his his or her clients. And then after that, they practice for their clients. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it's an old saw. I heard it. Uh, you know, but you learn from kind of traumatic experiences and, and your materials set 
these fire investigators up and prepare them, you know, I shouldn't do this or I should make sure I do this. So I don't have a lawyer on the other side moving to strike all of my testimony or maybe not even being able to testify at all. That's right. And well, see, that was that was really lucky. I was um, the uh, certified fire investigator um, committee at that time. Uh, Kirk Hankins, uh, Glenn Lopper, um, attorneys like uh, Eileen Staus and, and um, uh, Judy Van Heest, they they put it together. And, and it was a scenario from a real case. And, and, uh, and what we did is we kind of put trapdoors into it and, and so that uh, these investigators would walk into them if they, if they weren't uh, prepared, um, if they really didn't study too much. And, and, and we give them the things six weeks out. And we say, here, study this. And, they, and of course, it's, they didn't really work it. So they're kind of at a disadvantage anyway. But um, we, we teach them through mistakes and we want them to make them there because you do not want them as an attorney to to ruin your case do you no that because then it's it's on the attorney because the ultimate responsibility for any attorney that puts out an expert witness is to make sure that expert witness has done a good job and is prepared and can meet that need uh, whatever need it might be in whatever kind of case it might be whether it be criminal or civil so, yeah, um, you know, at the end of the day, the lawyer is ultimately responsible, but the expert, you know, the, 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 you get your reputation. If you're a good expert, uh, you know, uh, in a criminal, in criminal type cases, the prosecuting authority knows they can rely on you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a good expert in civil cases, you get more business. <laughs> Yeah, luckily, luckily, nobody's ever seen through me, and I've been doing this since 1985, <laughs> so I, <clears throat> somebody thinks I'm all right. But, but here's, I mean, you know, I was lucky when I was a police detective that, uh, that you would get to know people at the prosecuting attorney's office, and, and, uh, and then uh, they, would, they would, you know, issue warrants for you. They, I got to know a judge very well, and he kind of took me under his wing and say, hey, hey, Slapman, come in here, and, and we'll talk about these, we'll talk about these cases, and one of the things that you guys do as as, uh, as attorneys, uh, I don't know, do you ever work in a, a prosecuting office? No. Actually, I really wanted, I was interested in being a prosecutor when I was in law school. I had a lot of interest in that, but uh, I just kind of got diverted from it. Yeah, and well, that's, well, anyway, these, these guys, they're really, you know, they have large caseloads and stuff like that, and some of them make mistakes, and one of the mistakes that the prosecutors do is they'll, uh, they'll say, okay, meet me in the hallway 10 minutes before uh, testimony, and, and we'll, uh, we'll go over it, and, and you, know, you can go ahead and do your thing. This is when you're a, you know, a public, public service guy. Um, that's a mistake. Yeah, because in fire cases, particularly, you need you need to know you need to understand it. You need to understand how the fire spread, and and also that there are actually um, well, Dalbert. We can talk about Dalbert, but you can get challenged and thrown out of a case. Um, but the prosecutors really, I mean, in in the. They do a marvelous job for the amount of volume of cases they have, but at the same time, we always urge our students, and and I know you emphasize that when you know to have meetings with the attorneys before, uh, so that you can you can tell them what you, you know they they're going to say. You know, uh, I try, and especially with prosecutors, they're always overloaded, just like the public defender's offices. Oh gosh, oh gosh. Uh, you know. 
and there's only so much time in a day and there's only so much mental power that a person has. And when you're carrying a heavy caseload, that's something that you would do. But if you have anybody, if you have a witness that's going to be providing any kind of technical testimony at all, not just expert witnesses, but police officers, mm-hmm. uh, anybody like that, that is a huge mistake. Um, what I have learned and I try to do this is, is I don't just view my experts at, or some of my other witnesses that possess technical knowledge as simple tools of my case or only part of my case. I try to rely upon them to educate me. Uh, you know, any case I work on, I'll read on it, mm-hmm. whether it involves medical uh, issues or fire issues, mm-hmm. uh, construction issues. You can you can read so much and get a general idea of the topic that might be at issue in the case. But that expert witness that you have or the person who possesses technical knowledge is a deep resource uh, for information and just to say, well, I just need them to testify to X, Y, and Z. And that's really all I need. You might not be getting the best use out of the person's involvement with the case. Right. And, and now on top of that, and the, the more you do it, the better you get, right? I mean, it's, absolutely. So now let me, let's talk about that for a second, because we're talking a little bit about experts, but no, this is for the general, this, this show is for the general public. So let's talk about here, here I am uh, walking down the street and I observe something. Um, and so Ultimately, it could be either a criminal matter or it could be a civil matter. Let's say I saw a, a very horrendous automobile accident, okay? But I'm a witness because I saw which play, which vehicle did this and how fast they were going and all that. And that's called a lay witness. Will you, would you tell our, our uh, general audience here, what does a lay witness testify to? And, and can they be... You know, can they be called into a deposition and things like that? Yeah, uh, lay witnesses are important. And I'll tell you, <laughs> lay witnesses can be a pain for lawyers. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Tell me. A lay witness doesn't have any skin in the game. Mm-hmm. They are a simple bystander. Uh, no offense to them. They have jobs. They have families. They have things they need to do. And, you know, you have to be very careful when you're a lawyer and you're approaching one of those people. Uh, you can't be... Do it in a ham-handed fashion. You have to approach them and make sure they understand that you're imposing on their time. You understand that you're imposing on their time uh, and that you're just asking them. And the, the tack I usually take with the lay witnesses is, you know, you are going to be involved in the justice system. And I firmly, completely believe we have the best system in the world. We do. Uh, and people should want to participate in that system, not only as jurors, which many of your listeners probably have been called for jury duty, sure. but if you are a witness to something, a witness to a crime or a horrendous automobile accident or any automobile accident, it really is a civic duty that you have to participate in the uh, adjudication of that dispute. And, you know, I... I I often approach my lay witnesses like that and say, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to do my best not to impose on you as best as I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I just want to tell you, it's really important. I mean, your testimony is important for the jury to hear. I believe that te- your testimony is important for my client. So, well, I think it's great because you see, uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, I know. And and. Well, as a police officer and even even as a private investigator, which I've been all these years, um, sometimes people um, are reluctant to to give testimony because they want to get involved, you know, and, and you know they saw something 
I mean, uh, they were another witness tells you, well, I, well, George was standing right next to me when we saw this, you know, and George doesn't want to say anything. He doesn't want to get involved and he might have to go to court or something. You just used, I don't want to get involved. Those six words, I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard them in a string together when I've been dealing with lay witnesses in a, in a case. And, you know, you, you bring up a, a point about lay witnesses and, and I, I felt this right when I started practicing law, but recent studies have really challenged how accurate Oh, yeah, they are. Observation is you might get four people. You might get four people who witness the same event, the same car accident, and give four completely different uh, stories about it. That's really true. And and, I, and we did that all the time uh, in, in police work, you know, and because you wanted to find out, one, did they have a skin in the game? Maybe did they have maybe they didn't like this guy. You know, if he's down the street. I hear it all the time when I go out to fire cases, and particularly in small towns or something like that. Um, some guy will say, well, we think they set the fire. Well, why? <laughs> well, you know, you don't go to church, and, you know, maybe he's messing around on his wife or something like that. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with this fire, you know. And, and they'll start rumors. and uh, People shouldn't be like that. Oh, it should be like is if you saw something, say something. And if you didn't, don't, don't come you know, with some kind of innuendo, some kind of strange thing. Um, but lay witnesses uh, testify, can only testify to certain things, right? What kind of things do they can testify to, sir? Lay witnesses, by their very nature, are fact witnesses. Sometimes uh, a lay witness could provide some technical uh, testimony, but that's very rare. Um, usually a witness who's providing some technical or expert uh, testimony is somebody who observes something while exercising what they do, their job, uh-huh. like a policeman, like you were, mm-hmm. uh, or they're specifically hired by the lawyer mm-hmm. to review facts and come up with an opinion. A lay witness is a fact witness, um, and they usually don't have very much experience, usually thankfully to them, uh, mm-hmm. with the system. And so it's really important for lawyers to understand that. Uh, and I sometimes I lose that. I, I forget what it's like to be somebody who doesn't really understand our legal system. And I, whenever I'm approaching someone who is not in the system, I try to remember that and try to explain to them exactly what role they're going to have. Right. And they can they can testify to things like, uh, you know, the, the speed of a car, their estimate. They can uh, the height and weight of a person, correct, like that. Something something that's in, in general knowledge. Not where it doesn't, it doesn't have to, well, as a fire investigator, I have to have specific knowledge, study, um, expertise. A lay witness doesn't. He just, he just doesn't have to have any expertise in how um, vehicles are put together or, or the nomenclature. They only have to know that they, they was speeding in their estimation because they've driven a car for 20 years and blah, blah, right? Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And the thing about it, too, is, is, uh, the days of trial by ambush uh, among, between lawyers are basically over. Mm. And, you know, in most states and in the federal system, if you're going to be having any kind of a witness give any kind of technical or expert testimony, you're going to have to disclose that to the other side. Mm. So, you know, if you don't, you run the, the very real risk of, of if you ask such 
a question to someone who wasn't disclosed as an expert witness, either retained, meaning they were specifically hired to provide testimony in the case, or non-retained, which means they weren't hired to provide testimony, but they're a witness and they have some technical knowledge. If you don't designate a witness as at least being a non-retained expert witness, then you can't ask those any kind of a any kind of a, a question that requires the person to render an opinion. Right, an opinion, and that that is always the that's the difference, and that's we we explain this to the public service people that we're talking about, are uh, talking to when we, we do these expert witness things are the private investigators. That's the difference. You the, the if if they ask you that opinion question, okay. The judge is going to rule on whether or not you can give that opinion, right? Correct. And he's going to be based on what? It's going to be based upon, depending on the test that's mm -hmm. applied in the jurisdiction, very generally speaking, whether the person possesses the education or um, <clears throat> education or real world knowledge or real life knowledge in a particular area whether the type of opinion they give or they might give under the stricter standards is something that's accepted mm -hmm. amongst in that field. Uh, and so those would be tests on that. And, you know, you made a good point. A lot of you, sometimes people have a hard time uh, uh, separating. We all think our opinions are fact, <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're not? Oh, heck. Yeah. Well, yeah, but see, I want everybody to have my opinion. They have a right to my opinion. And if we've learned anything is, is that in America, we all have very differing opinions. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to tell way. you, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, uh, and it's not necessarily in, um, uh, accepted throughout the world either. Um, yeah. I've been lucky um, in in uh, in that um, after coming out of police work, I went into private investigations, and that's where I really I really perfected my craft as far as being a, a fire investigator was concerned. And uh, I've testified, you know, 50, 70 times. I don't know what it is, but hundreds of times as a fire as a police officer, of course. So, but you learn every time because different jurisdictions, different techniques, people. Not that attorneys have different techniques, of course. No. You wouldn't have any. You wouldn't have any trip trip wires or anything in there, would you? No. <laughs> and you know that the, the uh, fire experts are are really a unique type of expert because it's a pretty well established field. Mm -hmm. Meaning, there's general agreement on the basic components of any opinion that you're going to give. And that can hamstring the expert and really separate the good expert from the bad is the good expert understands those things, those certain parts of the fire opinion that's being given and know which parts of those might be subject to attack by someone. Because what, what you testify on is there are general principles on how somebody can reach a conclusion as to cause and origin. Right. And, and if you try to deviate from that to try to put a square peg in a round hole for whomever is asking you to give that testimony, you know you're subject to a huge attack on cross-examination. Absolutely. And, and yeah, as a matter, it's got to be, um, your opinion has to be based on scientific uh, principles. And it also has to be, um, peer, uh, do we have a lot of um, peer-reviewed texts that we, we have to study? NFPA 921 and uh, 1033 is the standard for professional fire investigators. We have to adhere to that, right? We have other texts that are accepted um, as uh, fact-based texts, uh, such as Kirk's Fire Investigation, the eight 
the ace is out now with Dr. Uh, uh, David Icove and uh, Gerald Haynes has uh, they've taken over from John DeHaan uh, writing that, Dr. John DeHaan. So you get to know these things, you get to study them, and then you get to be qualified. And you're, and that's up to the, and the attorney makes the decision. I mean, you have this thing called a CV, a, a curriculum vitae that's got all your training experience and all that good stuff. But you have to qualify your experts, don't you? You have to ask them stuff, understand. You do, and it used to be a lot uh it used to be a lot more technical. Uh, it's not so much anymore. You, yeah, you, before, uh, you know, you can you can go through the qualification questions and ask for the court to to uh, to make make the statement that this is a qualified expert. Um, usually, in this day and age, you never have a situation where that qualification goes awry in the middle of a trial, because usually prior to trial. There are rules about challenging expert witnesses and scheduling orders. So if you make it to trial, that expert's going to testify more likely, not unless the expert says something really dumb. <laughs> and, and at that point in time, the other the other side jumps on it and, and might want to challenge the uh, ability for the person to render the opinion. You know, it's really funny is I'll tell you one that's, that, that sounded like it was this expert, but it wasn't. What happened was this is in the Kansas court, okay? And the witness before the fire expert was a chemist and the chemist had changed his opinion from <laughs> his report it said one thing and then when he got on the stand he said it totally another thing okay so <clears throat> so he, he finished testifying he left they called the fire expert the fire expert got up on his on the stand and they said and they said you know, tell the truth, all truth, nothing but truth, of God, yes, state your full name, and he said his name, at which time the the other side, the, the, I think the plaintiff's attorney stood up and said, we, we, um, we want a mistrial, the judge grants it, bang, and right, this is after the, the witness has been sworn in, Okay. because that's apparently at that time, and understand this is 20 years ago, I guess, um, you had to swear in the next witness before you could call a mistrial. So he called a mistrial, and this and this this fire investigator sitting there. That's my name. <laughs> what how, I do, how do you get a mistrial on our name? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah, because and the rule for that is is because until the next witness is called and sworn, yeah. the other witness is still in play. Oh, I see. You know, he might he or she might be down and then call, come back, come back, come back. You know, we have we have some further examination to do, but that yeah, that's funny. <laughs> they kind of yeah, it was hilarious. And he said, That's my name. You know, because he wasn't nobody was expecting it. No. But then you didn't expect the chemist to change his opinion. Yeah, you didn't expect you know, and the thing about that, you just made a great point. And I'm sure a lot of your witnesses have probably served on juries. And you know, juries thrill me and scare me at the same time. Uh, you know, they, you you can see that they will sit up when somebody's called a doctor or somebody who has got, uh, you know, some titles behind their name. They really have the expectation, knowing that this person might have some skin in the game. They're either being called by one party or another. They're being paid for their time or whatever. If it's a fire investigator, they're kind of part of the prosecutorial family. Mm -hmm. But that's what's so important. Jurors, when they hear like somebody's going to, they'll, they'll, they'll sit up. And it's always good for that expert to make that really good impression in the first five minutes or so because that keeps them listening. And a dry recitation of a CV 
of an expert is not the way I go. No, uh, I I really try to humanize my expert and get them get the jury interested in that expert witness, and then I do the boring stuff. Yeah, well, we like to teach. We like to get down off the stand. We like to you know, oh, yes. and, and teach them. And of course, federal court's different now. you got to you know, draw on the, on the screen. and You can't move you around. Can't move around. Boy, I used to love to do that. Oh, well, lawyers love to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of times now you're restricted to the podium. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, look. A lot of lawyers like making that connection with the jury, getting right up in the box, you know, getting walking up and down the box and mm-hmm. establishing that relationship with the jury. Well, it's a report is the answer. Oh, yeah. The report is the answer. I always tell a lot the witnesses, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you've got a jury trial, they're the triers of fact, they're going to make the decision. So you look at them and they look at you and you, and you, and you look toward the jury, answer the question to the jury and you look them in the eye and you move around. Okay, you move around to different jurors and, and do eye contact with them. That, and then you, sometimes you'll see them nodding their heads. They yes. certainly do. And I, I, I actually am preparing witnesses for the next couple of days. And, uh, you know, you've got judge tried cases and jury tried cases. I always tell my witnesses, when I'm asking you questions, don't talk to me. If it's a judge, look at the judge, talk to the judge. If it's a jury, look at the jury. And just as you said, Mike, move around. Don't just look at one spot in the jury box. But I also tell them on cross-examination, you should just lock eyes with the opposing lawyer. <laughs> because, you know, cross-examination is where the lawyers have the most fun. Oh, yeah, sure. And a lot, you just can't plan on, when I'm prepping my witness, you just can't plan on scoring any points when you're being cross-examined. It's more degrees of losing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you get some really bang-up testimony on direct that other lawyers taking good notes and they're going to want to hit you hard. And, and well, and good. And, and, and that's exactly, and I want to talk about that when we come back, cause we're going to have to take a break here in a minute, but I want to talk to you about um, depositions because lay witnesses can get de- deposed. Yes. And, and, and so can experts and experts deposed all the time. And in particularly in civil cases, a very large cases or something uh, money wise all the time. Yeah. All the time. So when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about depositions, and we're going to ask you any funny thing that you might have run across in your career, sir. Okay. And uh, that would be great. And so when you come back, ladies and gentlemen, come back to Speaking of Fire. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. 
Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hey, welcome back to Speaking of Fire. This is your host, Mike Slapman. Donna's not here today. Uh, we're talking to a great attorney, Tony Gosserand, who is, uh, who's here, and he's, we're going to talk, we've been talking about um, expert witness, but lay witnesses, and we're going to talk about depositions here in a minute. But I, I should have asked you in the beginning, Tony, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, do you need to give any kind of a, of a disclaimer that says everything you say is cannot be held against you or, or something like that. <laughs> oh, on the show? Yeah. No, nobody's asking me for any legal advice. We've just been talking generally. I mean, I I really can't give anybody legal advice. Uh, of course. You know, it, uh, so it, we're just been talking generally about the, the way the system works. Yeah, well, I, and that's exactly right. And and so I just wanted to make sure because some of the other attorneys have come on and, and they had to have uh, disclaimers. The other thing, too, is uh, why don't you – well, tell us – what if somebody wants to get in touch with you? They want to they want to hire you. What what firm are you with? And, and I, Yeah, I should have said that at the beginning. I, I'm with the firm of Van Ostall, PC, uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I've been with Van Ostall for – I just had my sixth-year anniversary there. Mm-hmm. I've had my law license uh, in Missouri since 1991, my Kansas 92. Uh, in this day and age, anybody can find me on the internet. Of uh, course, if you Google my name, my firm comes up first. Yeah, and it, and you're and you know we uh, we we put up a thing on the internet that says your name and 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 uh, and where you're where you work and stuff like that. But uh, uh, if somebody's just sitting out, you realize this goes internationally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, so so Van Ostal is V A N. Second word is. O S D O L P C, and they're at a uh, thousand Walnut Street, Suite fifteen hundred, Kansas City, Missouri six four one zero six. Just in case I anybody didn't didn't look it up. Didn't look it up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, but if you Google us, Van Osdall, you'll get us. Right, right. Well, Tony, um, let's talk about something. Um, that a lot of well, you can be you can you can be a lay witness or an expert witness, and you have to give in civil cases, not so much in in uh, criminal cases, but in civil cases, you um, have to give a thing called a deposition. Can you tell the general public what a deposition is? Yeah, and a deposition is uh, one of the tools that lawyers use in what's called the discovery phase of a case. Uh, somebody files a lawsuit, 
and uh, there's an answer filed to it. And eventually, somewhere down the line, a trial set. But the, between the time that the lawsuit's filed and the trial actually occurs, the parties are given the opportunity to do discovery. And uh, I have had no very limited criminal experience, so I'm going to talk in civil civil cases. So discovery can be done in many different ways. There are interrogatories, which are written questions that are exchanged between the parties that need to be answered. There's requests for production of documents. Uh, there's requests for entry upon land. For example, uh, there is a fire, say a fire case, mm-hmm. and one of the other one of the parties who doesn't own that property uh, wants to come on and actually investigate land. There's a discovery tool for that. And what that avoids is is somebody claiming that someone committed trespass. Mm-hmm. Uh, trespass is entry upon land owned by another without their permission. Right. So uh, that's what we like to refer to. And, and the last one's not so much written, but that's written discovery. The next big category of discovery is depositions. Um, and a deposition is where the par- the lawyers and potentially the parties sit down, it's always in a law office usually, or at a neutral third location. Uh, Sometimes I've taken them in courthouses where a witness or a party shows up and there's a court reporter, stenographer, and usually now a videographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the lawyers take turns asking the person questions. And sometimes it's done for the preservation of testimony, meaning especially if there's a video, that that person may not even be actually called to come to court, that that just will be played or their deposition transcript read uh, to the jury, which is not good anymore. You lawyers to do that all the time, and it's very rare to see it. Um, and so you get sworn. The court reporter can swear you, court reporters and notaries, they can actually administer the oath to you. And then the lawyers take turns asking the witness questions. And the thing about a deposition is, is this, especially of a party, uh, nobody presents the deposition testimony of a party, their party, especially in court. They want them up on the stand and live testimony. Right. And <clears throat> if you sat through one of my depositions or ever deposed you before, at the very beginning, I make sure we establish some rules. And like, now, if you answer my questions, that means you understood my question, correct? And and I make them always say, do you, you know, I'm going to ask you, do you agree with me? That if I ask you, the same question at trial today on a material issue and you give a different response at trial than you give them today, I can use the transcript of this deposition to impeach your credibility before the judge and the jury. And I know this will be a shock to you and your listeners, but sometimes people change their testimony between a sworn <laughs> deposition and trial. Not a shock to me. Yeah, I'm sure you've it. seen it happen. <laughs> yes. uh, and, you know, the, the craft of the lawyer, and I, I'm not saying I'm an expert at this. In fact, I've flubbed it. Uh, and there are special rules on how you do it. Uh, if somebody does give inconsistent testimony, the lawyer's got to be prepared for that and do it in the correct way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I try not to, you know, I wouldn't put somebody's deposition in their face, even if it's on something material, if it's really not relevant to the way things are going in the case, I won't make them look bad just because they changed their testimony on mm. that. I usually restrict myself to key elements of what's going on. And Yeah, well, fire investigators are, are really vulnerable to that. 
in that if they change their testimony, they're in trouble. Yeah. And they will confront them in front of a jury. And um, but that's because they're doing really specific stuff, and it's and it's their trained stuff. They they are. Uh, I've, I'm thinking in a particular case, which will be named nameless here. But this guy changed his testimony just, you know, 180 degrees, and and they they brought his his uh, his deposition up and said, read the highlighted passages. I mean, now that is that's tough. It is it, yeah. and it's it's devastating. Yeah. Um, Thank God it was on the other side of that. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I wasn't. It wasn't me. <laughs> your listeners who sat on a jury. I mean, you're talking about the ultimate group of lay people called called to really administer justice. Right. And, you know, they're not experts in fire. Mm -hmm. They're not experts in car accidents. They're not doctors about somebody's injuries. They can only rely upon what they see in those two, three, four, five, ten days of testimony in a trial. Mm -hmm. And the most devastating thing I've learned is, is jurors are very critical. And if something like that happens, the question they have in their mind is why? Why did the person change their testimony? Mm -hmm. Why is the person clearly lying to mm -hmm. us? Mm -hmm. And they start asking those questions. That that kind of guides the way they go when they <laughs> when they render their verdict. Absolutely. And uh, do you think I've had an attorney, uh, a very well respected attorney uh, down in Wichita, uh, Mark Powell? Uh, he said to me one time. He says the truth has got a ring to it. Because um, even these jurors that, that don't have any technical background, and that that they can, I mean, it's sort of like, and it's really truth, um, you know, how you sometimes when you're at, at somebody's, well, we use used car salesmen because they're easy, um, they're, you're getting this feeling that they're not telling you everything, right? They're, that there's, the, you know, your, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, you know, your stomach starts growling or your eyeballs spin around a few times. They, you're getting some kind of a vibe off of this person. Do you think that juries pick up, uh, do you think the truth has a ring to it? I think they absolutely do. I, I, I like I said, I think we've got the best system in the world and, you know, 99 times out of the hunt, out of 100, even when I've disagreed with a jury that's gone against me, I've understood why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, 99 times out of 100, I know why that verdict was rendered. Sometimes the nuts and bolts of it, when I talk to them after the deliberation, surprise me. There are certain things they focus on that neither of the lawyers ever thought was important, <laughs> which it can drive you crazy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but... Yes, the, the, the truth does have a ring to it. And, you know, our jurors and the people in our society now, they are so bombarded with people who are trying to put spin on things to sell them something or to convince them of a certain opinion. Our, our society is fairly expert in deducing when that's occurring. And, and and sometimes critically saying, I reject that. I, I will not be spun that way. Now, I'll see you in the next election. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, because I'm, I'm really worried about the, the, the lack of integrity that's going on right now. Uh, but I do want, I want to say about lawyers, because I, I like lawyers. I'm one of the few people that like lawyers. Yeah, you're, you, you know, <laughs> you're making a good point. This is what I ask people. And I've heard all probably every lawyer joke that's ever been told, and I'm not offended. Mm -hmm. And because I know why people don't like lawyers, and it's the same reason why people who do like lawyers. The people who don't like lawyers either have a general concept of them 
or they had a bad experience with one adverse to them. People's distaste or dislike for lawyers is a direct, not because the lawyer, their, their person, who they are as a person, it's who they're representing as their client. Uh-huh. And so that's a reflection. You know, we zealously advocate for our clients and people disagree with our clients. Sure. And that's why lawyers get the bad name. But every person who needs or wants to hire a lawyer definitely wants somebody to zealously advocate for them. Absolutely. And and zealous advocacy. Uh, you know, I, I had a conversation with one of my uh, law professors when I went to my, my last reunion. We were talking about criminal law and how people just are like, why are we wasting the money on the trial? Why are this person's clearly guilty? Why, why are we, why, why is all this money and all this time being wasted? And, you know, I, I, I told you, I, I leaned more towards the prosecution side. And I always explain to people when they say that, this is, that's for your protection. You see that system that gives that person all of those rights, make sure that when you get charged with something and you might not be guilty, that you can exercise those rights to, to gain your uh, an innocent, uh, you know, yeah, right. to prove your innocence. Right, exactly. And I and I believe in that too, a hundred percent. And uh, and there, and I was, yeah. See, what? Well, fire investigators, we're not supposed. To, you're the advocate. We're the we're the we're the expert to tell you what happened at the scene. So we're not we're not supposed to go in there with a with a, a you know. A point of view that says it's this guy's right, this guy's we're care about we're just care about presenting our case and we're successful whether or not the litigation goes the way our side wants it. Okay. You just gave the definition of a good expert witness. Yeah, well, we're trying to. Well, yeah, know, I mean, that, that, that's what I want. I don't want somebody who is just going to say what I want them to say. That never works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it never works. You have to have someone who looks at the facts and applies their technical knowledge to it and can reach an opinion. Uh, I, I, when I was a young lawyer, I remember one time I went to take an expert witness's deposition. Yeah. And uh, I was at the other lawyer's office and the deposition was supposed to start at 930. Mm-hmm. And I knew the lawyer was talking to the expert witness and I was sitting out there and, you know, it got to be 945, 10 o'clock and... <laughs> 1015, 10:30. <laughs> the lawyer walked out and he said, he's just not saying what I want him to say. <laughs> so we're not going to have the deposition today. And then the lawyer said, send me a bill for your time. Wow. That's interesting. It was, it, yeah. it was, it, you know, what was good about that was, is as a young lawyer, I got to see an opposing <clears throat> lawyer do something like that. And I learned from it. Yeah. You know, and, and see a lot of people, assume that all lawyers are snake oil salesmen, that they're always going to be some, you know, they're always going to be hostile against uh, them as a, as a witness or whatever. Are they, they're afraid, actually. A lot of expert witnesses are afraid of attorneys. You know this? I mean, you already know it already. They should be. Yeah. Uh, I am a firm believer that fear is a healthy thing to have. Not too much of it. Right, right. But, but fear uh, can modify behavior and make you, you know, rise to the occasion. Right. And see, and I explained it to to my students as this. Look, we crawled out of the, the ocean. We put into the cave and we looked out of the cave and we saw the saber-toothed tiger. So we're afraid that he was going to jump out and eat us. So we, it's fear, fear of the unknown. 
Fear the unknown is is intrinsically in us. We're human beings, right? And we, we're here now, so we, we conquered a lot of stuff. But we still are upset. If you're not, I mean, a little bit, if, if you're not in the hallway right before you testify and you, the butterflies are going, you better go get yourself looked at a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I would not want one of my experts to be nonchalant yes. about coming in. I don't care how much... Uh, uh, experience they've had, right, or what their qualifications are, and the one thing that I've learned is is the best way to deal with fear is preparation, right? That it's it's ingrained in us. You you gave the evolutionary uh, analogy. It's absolutely right. What we've learned is is that we can deal with our fears through preparation and being ready for that situation where the saber tooth tiger right, is coming out of the cave. Yeah, you have your spear. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you know that, that's the thing is is. I can guarantee you anybody who looks at a lawyer and says, I, you know, I'm going to tell a joke about him. Boy, I can't stand the fact that lawyer is doing this. Ask your question is be empathetic and say, if I was that lawyer's client, would I want the lawyer acting like way? <laughs> Most often than more often than not, you're like, yeah, if you're honest. No, you're, if you're honest. And, and I say I never – but I like – what I like this is funny. I'll tell you a, a quick thing that happened. I was in a, was in a deposition one time, and, um, and I'm the expert, all right? And the other, uh, the other attorney um, is, is, is really trying to be – you know, because in, in, in a deposition, they can be a little more sarcastic. They can oh, – yeah. because the written word doesn't have energy behind it. So, you know, you can't tell, you're an expert. You know, I mean, it says you're an expert, right? Anyway, so uh, so he was he was having a real hard time, and and it was a dispute over whether or not the attorney that was for the insurance company had given him a particular document, uh, documentary stuff, and then the other guy and and he said no, you didn't. And I said no. He said yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I'm now this is during my deposition. This is, they're having a fight about whether or not the lawyers the lawyers are having a fight, right? Well. <laughs> The other attorney stands up and and throws this thing across the table and hits the other attorney in the chest with it. There's a videotape. Pow. Oh well, that can't I mean that that's an assault. And I jumped up and I and I put this on the record. Look, I'm an ex police officer. That's an assault. I'm not gonna continue to watch this thing, you know, going on. Anyway, so No, you know that that's, that's amazing. You do, no, you never do that. I you know, I I've done this for twenty six years and it's maybe once or twice in 26 years and I take full I take personal responsibility for it have I ever borne any real animus towards an mm -hmm. opposing lawyer regardless of what they're doing in the case I, because I understand they are doing their job the way they think they need to do it right I, I, I it never gets personal for me and you know uh one of my favorite books actually wanted to make me be a lawyer was to kill a mockingbird oh sure yeah and when scout couldn't understand when she'd watch her father fight with other lawyers in the courtroom, but then they would go out of the courtroom and they'd be social with yeah, each other. Right. They were friends. And you know, that that's the way I've always viewed it. My opposing counsel, I would I would never throw anything at another lawyer. No, no. Well there was oh there was a judicial complaint and oh, it was course. dropped and it was it, it was dropped later because the guy apologized and you know and, and all that. And of course I made a complaint too, but <laughs> Uh, who am I? You know, so so they, they dropped mine immediately. But anyway, but here's here's the fun part. Um, the fun part is that later on, of course, the that guy lost in, in trial. But but um, they that's why I was going to make that that great uh, thing. What you just said. See, even as as hard as they go, you attorneys go at each other in in any kind of litigation. 
it's you walk outside the courtroom and say, "What are you doing on Sunday? We're going to go over to the country club." But or you've got to be that way. Yeah. And I, and I will tell you too. You uh, we have. Uh, continuing education requirements the same way you do have Mike to mm-hmm. maintain your certifications. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I like to go to those where it's a judge or judges that are speaking. Oh yeah. And I will tell you the top of their list is uh, professional conduct of lawyers to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take a very, very dim view of unprofessional uh, conduct um, uh, between members of the bar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even if you've got a jury trial, the judge is the referee. Right. And how often do ball games get called? So how often do ball games get won or lost sometimes because of what the umpire or the That's ref exactly. does? Whether or not it's a good call. Yeah, That's whether right. or not it's a good call because the mm-hmm. judge is going to make the call. The judge is wearing the black and the white stripes mm-hmm. uh, when the game's being played. So, right. yeah. You know, and, and that's great that you said that because um, – you know, ethics, uh, ethics, uh, ethical conduct is a big thing in, in our profession, in your profession, and we have to have ethics. And we should be objective jur- uh, uh, experts and not, not try to slant things. Um, one of the things I tell my witnesses, and I, I, ho- I want to get your input on this, is um, when you're in deposition or in trial, same thing, um, you're asked a question. You listen to the question, okay, you think – Here's what's the answer to that. You, t- you answer only that question, only that question, and then you shut up. Oh, my. You know, it, it, we're going through my witness prep sessions. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a, and especially when you're on cross-examination. Mm-hmm. If you're in a deposition, mm-hmm. listen to the question you were asked and only answer that question. I give my witnesses an example and i'll say like if i was prepping you mike i would say mike uh what time uh, do you know what time it is yeah that's an, i do perfect <laughs> see you didn't look at your watch and say uh it's uh five till two you said yeah i know what time it is and that's what i try to tell i tell my witness think about that when you're asked a question the other thing too is trial or depositions most people are not relishing being in the firing line or <laughs> right. on the stand. It's not like they're enjoying and basking in it like they're sitting on a beach somewhere. Right. And I always tell people there's a guaranteed way that you'll be up on that stand or in that chair for additional time is don't answer the question you're asked or answer it and give more information because that's going to lead to multiple other questions. I always tell my witnesses especially on the hard questions, and you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. You get the hard question, and you know your response is going to be problematic. Answer it directly, and don't try to obfuscate or get around it, because this is what happens. Whoever the fact finder is, they might not know how important this is, although the experts and the lawyers mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. If you don't answer it the first time, the lawyer's going to say something like, and you said it in Mr. Schlappen, did you understand my question? <laughs> yes, I did. did you, well, then why didn't you answer it? Right. And then you get beyond that and the witness wants to continue to not respond. You get to the point where the judge, you, the lawyer can actually ask the judge to direct the witness to respond to that question. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If the jury was asleep during the first couple of rounds of this, <laughs> if, the, if the lawyer gets to that point, believe me, 
the jury at that point is going to understand that your response to that question is extremely critical for the case. And if it's not a good response, when you could have given that response first, when if, if you responded and gave the answer, the lawyer stuck with that. If you answered the question and the lawyer can't continue to try to add power to that by asking it over and over because then the, your, the lawyer on your side jumps up and says, your honor, objection, asked and answered. Right, sure. So I tell my witnesses, you know you're, you know you know you're going to be asked this question. You know your response is going to be problematic. Just answer it directly. Yeah, you know, and that's it. You don't want to be admonished by the judge either. Oh, oh my no. God. You know better than that, Mr. Expert. Oh, my yeah. God. That happened to me once. I bet you know this other rule, too. <laughs> when you're a witness, yes. don't ask the lawyer oh, a question no, back. Oh, no, no. It, it, this is, this is it, I love it when somebody does that. <laughs> I would I love never it. do that. It might give you an opportunity for the lawyer to actually testify. Oh, yeah. yeah but no, I, I'm joking because that can't be the case. But And then I have witnesses say, well, well, I can't ask questions back. What if I don't understand the question? And I say, telling the lawyer you don't understand the question is not a question. You're making a statement. Right. If you don't like, if you don't understand what the lawyer's asking, say I don't understand your question. I I got you. Well, you know what? Uh, we've only got just two minutes at the most, and so can you tell me what what do you think is the most important thing for a witness to do? Any witness, lay witness, um, or expert? It's easy. Tell the truth. That's right. It, it it really is that simple. Our whole system is based upon finding the truth. Uh, a trial, just the name of it, you are trying something, you are measuring something mm -hmm. and to, to try to figure out, and you know, it's been very, and it's, just, I, I've hated seeing it. You have this idea that there is no truth, that there's only different subjective ways of looking at things. No, I don't agree with that. I don't either. I believe in objective fact. And so, yes, the most important thing for any witness to do is to tell the truth. Yeah, and, and, and this is where Sister Mary Holywater helped me. One and one is two. Yes. Okay, it's not 12, and it's not, there's no alternative facts. It's still two. Yes. And that's the way it is. Uh, well, anyway, I want to thank you so very much, Tony, for being here. You are a fine attorney, and I appreciate you very much. And uh, if and you can always call on us if you need anything. And this will be on the Internet forever. Thank you. So, okay. And um, and next week, uh, ladies and gentlemen, will be a rerun because I'll be at the Congressional Fire Service Institute dinner. I'm going there to lobby uh, our, our Congress for the to pass the FIRE Act. I hope all you people do that. Uh, tell your representatives, congressmen, uh, and uh, senators to vote for the FIRE Act. Okay. So uh, when you come back, come back to speaking of fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week. <laughs>